Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Child Whisper Podcast. This is Carol Tuttle. I'm the author of the best-selling book, The Child Whisper. Thanks for tuning in today, whether you're listening live or to the recorded podcast. It's great to have you with me. You know, I'm really committed to helping you raise happy, successful, and cooperative children. And I believe understanding their true nature, their type of energy is the key in this foundational. It's not all the answers, but it's a foundational answer. So thanks for joining me to continue your learning about your child's nature and how to parent them true to that. I do have the phone lines open today. I look forward to supporting you and your parenting goals. Give me a call at 347-677-1963. And I'm going to encourage you, if you would like to call in, um, there seems to be a tendency that you wait. You wait until the show's almost over, and then we don't have the time we need to really address your concerns or your goals and what you want some help with. So I'm going to encourage you to call in now rather than later so that there's adequate time and you can feel supported by me in your um, reaching out. And good for you. Uh, I like to start the show with a success story. Um, I love it when moms write in and they say, this is what is different because I've applied this information in my parenting and this is how it, this used to be the challenge now it's not anymore so this mom writes in I'm a type 3 mom I used to struggle with my son who who is a type 1 I didn't understand why he was so difficult to be around my husband and I were frustrated constantly and had a hard time accepting him once I read the child whisperer I started treating him differently and things improved but only to a certain point Around the same time, I was trying to figure out my husband's energy type. I kept using Carol's advice to tell myself, I am seeing my husband's energy type clearly and easily. Well, it did come clearly and easily. He is a type one. He was not at all accepted in his family and felt he had to constantly change for others. It appears that we were replaying the old energy with my son. Now that my husband understands who he is, he's accepting and loving it. He's also more than willing to give space for my son to be who he naturally is and to love him for it. My family is much happier with his, this new understanding. Thank you. And, you know, that's a phenomenon I want to talk about um, briefly before I get into today's topic. And today's topic is how to create the best school experience for your child. A lot of moving parts to that one. But let's see if we can come up with some real key uh, some real simple ways for you to help create that best experience because lots of pieces involved in that one. But back to the mom success story. Why would a parent who was shamed or not accepted for his true nature, why wouldn't that parent then be really, really motivated to give their child 
the support and space to be their true nature. Well, when you've never, when you've still convinced, when you're still living the lie or the illusion that who you are is not acceptable, anything that represents it will, you know, you'll respond to it in like, you'll say, well, that's not acceptable. Who I am is, this is a subconscious belief that's held. And until you bring it to consciousness, which they did in this scenario, they brought to consciousness that, oh, the dad's a type one. Oh, I've got to love and accept myself and who I am and who I'm naturally designed to be in order to be able to see that in my child. Because otherwise, as long as I am judging it, reprimanding it, trying to repress it in my own true nature, I will then respond in like to my child's same natural expression in the world. So that I've talked about this where a child of your same type can actually be a real big button pusher for you emotionally because that you've not resolved your own shame-based reference to yourself that was kind of induced in your earlier childhood years. So see dual healing going on here, which is phenomenal. We're helping a child be free to grow up loved and accepted and guided correctly so that there's not that wounding to heal later. And then we see at the same time without any ever any additional effort, a parent coming into love and acceptance for themselves, healing occurring for them. That's the power of the child whisper. You get you get dual uh, healing outcomes that everybody gets to come into more truth and alignment with who they are. So good news. I love that about this body of work. So let's talk about how to create that best school experience for your child. And let's start with a question. I am a type two and my two year old is a type three. I have done a lot of research on Montessori schools and would love to hear your view on this type of schooling for type three children. Now let's back up a little bit. There's certain school methodologies. Montessori definitely is a, a big player in the independent school scene all the way up through grade school and high school even. You can find Montessori schools that are not just uh, early childhood education anymore. They go on through and there's charter schools, there's public schools, there's homeschooling. And within the homeschooling world, there's a vast amount of methodologies that, that create um, curriculum, um, context for curriculum, approaches to teaching curriculum. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit from the foundation of the school model to some of the things that I feel are the most essential when it comes to a child having their best ex experience. I'd say one of the number one beyond the, um, if we get a little more, we niche it out a little more from the actual model of the school and how curriculum is delivered, the space of the classroom, how they move from year to year. And there's um, not all Montessori schools are create, you know, there's a general idea, but there's a lot of variation and diversity within the Montessori system. But it does come down to your child will be spending the bulk of their amount of time with a key individual, their main teacher. Now, they may break up into different teachers for reading, for math, for different uh, subject matters they can experience. But who is the overseer of your child's education for that year? That, to me, is the number one factor that needs to be considered, even more so than the system of the overall approach to teaching and how curriculum is handled. 
So who is my child going to be spending time with? And are they open and willing to learn about my child's nature? You know, my children went to public school. And I have to say, the success, the years they had the most success were the years, and this was pre-child whispering days of my life, but can de definitely track back and say, my children's most successful years in their education experience were the years there was an alignment and a balance and an open communication with the teacher. And the, ch and the teacher is very motivated to understand my child. And we could have conversations around that. The years that were more of a challenge, there was more issues involved, or the years that there was less understanding in that degree. Now, you would think that Montessori would attract teachers that would be more open-minded because it was created on the principle that children, you follow a child's kind of natural learning experience, uh, which lends itself to the child whispering model that we're identifying even more it's the child whisperer fits very nicely in the Montessori model because that's their basic principle at which the founding, uh, the founder of Montessori let the child lead you. That's the basis of it. Now to what degree each Montessori school does that? See, there's so many intimate factors that you have to consider, but I know as you're prayerful about your, uh, your child's, you're going to know, and you're going to know without having to, be that deductive. You need to get informed. You need to do research, but you're being guided in your child's best interests, I believe, by spiritual reinforcement. And you don't make, to me, your best decisions are made from a more intuitive, emotional place than logic. Because logic, you can put a lot of things on paper and it's going to look good. And you're going to say, this makes sense. You know, based on my logical deduction here, I should. My child should have a successful experience, but in your gut, in your sense of intuitive, your child whispering approach to parenting your child is more gut driven, intuitive driven. You just know this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel correct. Hands down, you need to just land on that. I would, I would trust that um, impeccably and really build that intuitive muscle as you do start to trust it and know. And you don't always have to know why. You might not know why, because maybe things would have developed three, four, five, six months into that. So in answer to your question is, I would think uh, type three child, let's go over the four types and I'll just suggest to you some learning styles that they each have and some preferences they need, regardless if it's public, charter, homeschool, Montessori, whatever environment you're going to put your child in, each type has a unique as a unique um, need, and this is speaking very generally, but your type one, if they're having to sit for long periods of time, single focused, and there's not a social interaction, if they're quiet, solitary learning processes, they will struggle. And that is generally speaking in the public model. And that can be changed by a teacher, because if you have a type one teacher, she's not gonna thrive in that, she's gonna mix it up more. But this is your social child. This is your child that's fun loving. This is the child that needs to experience things in a way that they bring their light nature. If it gets too serious, too solitary, too confined, they'll struggle. They'll behave, they'll create movement. They create movement to the degree they start getting labels like ADHD, hyperactivity, because they need to stimulate by higher movement. And how much recess do they get? How much learning um, what can they talk while they're learning in groups? So, you know, 
remember these things. Type two, they need to feel comfortable. They need to have smaller class sizes. They need to feel that they have a connection with their teacher, an emotional connection. These are your emotional children. They have a sense of um, comfort when they're familiar with the surroundings and know that somebody feels, they feel very safe. If they're scared of their teacher, if they feel threatened by their classroom environment, they will struggle going to school. They need to feel their teacher is willing to take the time necessary in a sensitive way that they will be able to rely on that teacher and be open, to open their energy, to open and to verbalize themselves. They do well in a more uh, single track experience. They're very able to, they're very capable of being focused and go through they're going to be really worried about disappointing anyone and they'll be motivated by not letting wanting to let their teacher down and so that's a you'll never get rid of that but you want them to aspire to their learning because of their own interests because what can get kind of hijacked there is they're learning for the sake of someone else's expectation rather than what are their developmental and you know what are their interests what are they meant to seek out in their learning and there's a lot of uh, in the curriculum, you know, there's a lot of uh, things are defined in countries and then in subgroups and states and then districts, what's required, what's curriculum required per age. But you want to make sure that type 2 child is getting enough support to be able to explore their own, what their natural gifts and talents draw them to in their learning experience. Type 3, these kids just, they needs to they need to be independent. They need to be able to move through things the way they move through things. And they need to be able to get outdoors. They need to be able to get their energy out, get challenged. If a school doesn't have some kind of a physical activity regimen, PE, um, actual games and sports, this would be very hard to make it a very academic-based learning situation. They need to be balanced with other expressions and other learning that is more physically body-based. They are first connected to the world physically. So we've got our social connection, our emotional connection, our physical connection. How are these being honored in the vast amount of time that children are devoted to being in school environments? And then our type four, they're leading, they're our more serious child. They connect with the world intellectually. They need to be supported and just be kind of independent learners, um, authority over their partnering with teachers, that if teachers, they will not be drawn to teachers they feel disrespected by or talked down to, even at an early age, that they need to be spoken to in a way that's engaging their sense of rightfulness of their own authority. They're very smart in the sense when it comes to academic, academic um, style of learning because intellectual connections are their first and foremost priority. And so, yeah, that needs to be balanced as well so that all things need some balance. You don't just create, choose environments that support a child's preference and their connection, but it needs to at least have that, have lead with that, have a foundation of that so that other things can support it. You don't isolate that. You don't just have an academic environment for a type four where they lead with an intellectual challenge. They need to learn to socialize to their nature. They need to be able to develop other aspects of who they are in a way that supports their dominant expression in the world. So again, don't isolate things out and only make that your preference. What's balance look like and what's the priority in the environment you're choosing your children to be in? And hopefully this will answer some questions for those that you might be struggling with some 
uh, issues of school that you've you've neglected these preferences they have, and you need to uh, just remind yourself: go back to the book, go back to the basics of this program, and you will continue to get answers. So I appreciate that question. Again, I couldn't uh, I couldn't give you. You know, it's a vague question, so I'm giving you, I'm, uh, I'm inviting you to ask more questions to yourself to get the answer that's correct for you. And if you're calling in at 347-677-1963 and you'd like to come on the show, you have a success story, or if I can help you in any way, make sure you press 1 on your phone because that lights up for my producer on the switchboard. So we know that you're seeking to have an, uh, seeking to come on the show today, which I would love you to. And reminding you, it's best to do that now rather than in 15 minutes. So thank you. Another question that came in, um, Carol, I'm a type one mom with a type one nine-year-old son and a type four five-year-old daughter. I have been homeschooling my son since kindergarten and now I'm doing kindergarten with my youngest. I am looking for tips about how to organize my days. As a type one, I can see really, I can feel really weighed down by a strict schedule. It's been okay, I've made it work. I would just love some tips to help mix it up or ideas based on child whispering. Now this is where your child, your five-year-old, who's the type four, will thrive with a more predictable routine and some structure. Now, do you have to, to invest yourself, like uh, put yourself into that same structure? Not necessarily. See, a five-year-old actually as a type four is quite capable of following a structure that's been out that they've helped. You, you know, I, I'd say they'd have some voice in that to say what's the structure look like. So you're getting feedback from your child and helping them make decisions so that structure's put in place. Now, they're very capable of following through on that structure, and you're there for them to check in with if they need any help. Now, you can go off and create some other activities for yourself while a child's doing their work, and let's say they want every day from 9 to 12 to be really focused school time, but you just can't operate with this really focused school time. Well, what resources are you using that will allow you to not be in that learning process, every moment of their learning process, where they're engaged, they're learning, they're doing the work, they're following their structure, and they you could even say to them, um, you let me know when you're complete, mom's gonna check in with you in about 30 to 45 minutes, see how you're doing, and then you're free to be more random with your time in the day. The days that you feel like being involved from that, you know, how many days a week would serve your child to be really, can, you know, two days, three days a week that you're, I'd say two if you're type one, that you need to be like right there and follow that same structure and what kind of supportive uh, role are you playing in their learning? How much of it involves your participation? What learning experiences can they be having for different subjects that don't involve your participation? Maybe they involve a computer. Maybe they involve reading. Maybe they involve um, something you've created from resources you've put together and they're studying that. See what I'm saying? You, you have some variables there. It's your child that has the preference for a structured, predictable learning experience that kind of follows the same order and routine day after day that doesn't serve you, but that can easily be created based on your, um, the suggestions I'm giving you. So I think you'll be really successful with that. You're very creative. You're going to be able to uh, 
come up with some really amazing ideas because that is your gift. You're an idea person and this is fabulous because you're going to be able to share those ideas with other parents on what's working for you. So thanks for asking that question. Another question that came in, I'm a type two mom with two school age children, a type two eight-year-old son and a type three six-year-old son. We have had them in private school, but this is going to be the last year we can afford it. I worry about public school because of the potential for friends who may be a bad influence on my kids. My husband keeps telling me that I am worrying too much and that they will be fine. He and I both attended public schools years ago, but things seem so different now and much scarier. Our boys like the private school they currently attend, but the financial strain is really a burden to us. But we have another child entering kindergarten next fall, and we don't feel that we can afford a third child in private school. Do you have any tips to help me teach my kids to find and make good friends? First of all, you're a type two, so you have a preference for being overly worried about things that have never happened, probably will never happen, and your mind can go really kind of uh, be, you got to catch yourself in your thinking process that you'll think of the worst case scenarios as if they could really happen. And they're, they're not likely to happen. Like the, your husband's saying, you have an eight year old and a six year old, they've been in a school system. Um, I guess I'm, you have a belief that's attached to public schools. Your belief is my children are more at risk if they go to public schools. Well, someone could have a different belief that was my children are more at risk and they're more at risk of being making bad friends, having bad influences if they go to private school. So you could just switch that belief and you could actually create whatever you want. See, your belief is driving this. So you want to be able to clear this belief because this is not a supportive belief to your children. But you will attract it because the energy you're putting out, the vibrational influence you're putting into your reality is, I'm going to attract my children having negative influences with friends. Oh, I knew it would happen. My belief came true. I knew I had to worry about this. See, honey? Well, I would say to you, well, you created that. If you've not read my book, Remembering Wholeness, good time to read it. How you can shift from being a victim in this world to being someone that creates scenarios where you thrive and you flourish. That doesn't exclude the fact that we have challenges in life. Certainly we do for our own growth and learning, but you can meet them with a, an affirmative reference rather than a victim reference. And so you possibly had some experiences when you were in school that have caused you to believe this what happened in your life that has established this belief in you belief just don't float in out of nowhere something's happened in our earliest years our formative years that we acquire a belief and we hold it at a subconscious level and then it's brought to our awareness when life presents a scenario that belief bubbles up it presents itself to us and then now we think there's accuracy to it so do some inner child healing what happened to you that caused you to make this a truth? It's not a truth. There's so many variables here. You could say public school is the safest place my child could ever be. Yeah, you, know, you, you could, you could, if it weren't the case, everybody'd have the exact same experience with everything that we experience in life, and they don't because we have unique experiences based on the beliefs we're all carrying. And so my tip is that for you to clear that, certainly don't feed that your belief to them. Maybe you're mother pass this on to you the world's not safe it's a scary place out there you know there's negative people uh i was far enough along in my own personal healing work and kind of waking up to a higher consciousness when my children hit grade school that i knew not to inf infect them with these negative beliefs that if something came up we deal with it 
but you know, I really instilled in them that they would attract whatever they believed. If they wanted good people in their life, they would attract good people. And they did. They attracted amazing friends and had really positive social experiences with their network of friends all through their school year. And I do believe it's because we influenced that by how we spoke to things and what we wanted to support them in believing. I've got a caller that's calling in. Mary, you're live on the show. Hello. Hi, how are you? Can you hear me all right? I can. Oh, good. I'm on my little um, earpiece. (laughs) How can I help you today? Well, I have a question about one of my nephews. My my son is a type 4, and he's 8 months old, so I don't have many questions about him because I'm a type 4 as well. But I sometimes watch my nephews, and I had an incident with my one of my nephews this past weekend. He's 8 years old, and he seems very emotional, but I think he's more of a type 3 or type 1 based on his features and energy than a type 2. But the emotional part, throws me off for, um, for example, this weekend, he, um, his mom was leaving um, to go somewhere, and he, he didn't know if he was going with his mom or staying there, and when I asked him, what do you want to do, because um, mom thought he was coming with, and he thought he was staying at my parents' house, and he just kind of broke down and said, I don't know, and just like, kind of had this complete come apart, and I know it's happened more than once not just with me but like it's happened with my mom on a trip she took him on and my sister even asked me what what can I do and so is she um is she versed in the four types your sister a little bit um my mom and I, I would say I, she asked I shared you. the book with her <laughs> you did and so I was just, yeah my mom and I have both you know shared the book with her and mentioned to her and you might want to read this I don't know if she's read it yet I believe you should say when she asked four. the question, what should I do? You should read that book. Right. <laughs> you have one answer. I will do that. Well, because it's uh-huh. difficult when you're not the primary caregiver, you're not the parent, that you're kind of doing this on the sidelines. And if mm-hmm. she's really, you know, if she is interested and she is seeking your feedback, I would say, well, I'd love for you to read that because, you know, I, it'd be really great to know his nature. So we you know, I don't know, because it doesn't sound like you're real clear on what it is either. What type uh, he yeah, is. Yeah, I was wondering, I guess, what, like I said, based on his features, he he seems very playful, but he also seems very energetic, and the fact that he kind of had this uh, almost complete meltdown just trying to decide whether he was staying or going. Yeah, but see, that could be easily. With that uh, reaction. All children get emotional for different reasons. That doesn't exclude that type four children aren't emotional. They can have a huge meltdown when you finally ch- ch- restage the day. Say, you're like my my grandson who would go out with his mom on errands and he'd want to know what to expect, what was coming, and she'd outline it all for him. And then in the midst of the hour or two they were out in the car, she was doing all these side trips and he would just have, it was just wrecking havoc on this little kid's sort of sense of, of what to expect here, you know, cause it was being taken advantage of in a way. And, and Jenny realized I can't keep changing course on him. I guess I can't keep putting this kid through this. So see, if the parent doesn't know their type, you've got a type one mom 
or a type three mom with a type four child or a type two child, they are switching on their kids constantly. They're rushing every, they're, it's, they don't realize it because all they know is their own energy. And when they start to take a third party view of what's happening and observe, they go, no wonder my child's like, just feels so unstable. <laughs> you know, I don't give them any stability. See, so there's some mm -hmm. factors in here that need to be identified to really get to the heart of it. What types the mom? You're, the mom being informed in this, so she values it. Because otherwise, it's just you're trying to fix a very single experience. There's no progression with it. Because mm -hmm. nobody has the information to progress. So pray that they'll have more problems. So she'll have more motivation because pain's a great motivator when people aren't coming from a place of I, I wanting to live in joy and awareness and learn. People are motivated. They go with the status quo till the pain's too great and they finally say, I got to get answers. So mm -hmm. let it happen. Let it play out because that child's trying to send a big message. And at some point, the parents will say, I need help. I really need to read that book. So I, 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 I mean, it's sometimes hard to watch. A, I mean, there's nobody, there's no need for child services to intervene. You know what I'm saying? It's just daily oh, yeah. stuff. It's daily stuff that, and parents, more parents come to parenting books from a place of there's a pain than I just really love reading parenting books, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so encourage her to read it again. And then say, I'd love to talk to you about it because I found it really helpful, you know, and I'd love to support you and what you're doing. You're a great mom, you know, build her up, tell her she's doing a great job. Yeah. And she's more inclined to listen to you than to say that you're trying to, and she, people feel, people feel us when we're kind of energetically getting involved in their stuff, even though it may not be conscious, it does change the energetic space we deal with in them. And rather than, it's hard not to be in a place of judgment when we have information they don't. Mm -hmm. So encourage them to seek that information, you know. And I imagine her child will give her more reasons to read it. So that'll be good. All right. Thanks for calling in, though. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. All right. Yeah, I'd have years ago, I'd have parents that would want to book sessions with me because I still, it used to be my primary business was I did um, healing and coaching sessions, teaching people uh, natural healing methods with the different modalities I'm trained in, rapid eye therapy, energy tapping. Um, I still do offer sessions. You can learn about those at thechildwhisper.com and the um, more, I think it's on the, you can just write parenting at liveyourtreat.com if you're interested on a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. Um, but I would have parents book sessions with me and it'd be about their child. And sometimes it'd be about, quite often it'd be about their teenager or their adult child. And I'd say, well, I can't help you because I can help you learn about yourself, but your focus is on your child and they're not the one seeking the feedback you are. So we can focus on what you can, what, what can be different for you and how to communicate in a way that people feel supported and know you want to help them. Because too often people start to feel like we want to fix them. And people just naturally, very automatically get on a defense. 
our energy moves into defense mode. We don't, it's like, nobody's telling me what to do kind of a thing. So I always seek to support people, giving them kind of the benefit of the doubt that they want to know, they want to grow, they want what's best for them. Because as soon as we get into judgment, we are in a place of, um, we don't have the influence that's supportive for people. And when it comes to parenting, it's okay to let some things play out, let it get more problematic. Unfortunately, you know, fortunate or not, it just seems the way humanity still prefers to grow is by pain and getting tired of pain, wanting to resolve the pain, the discomfort, the frustration, whatever the pain looks like. There's a lot of things to call it. So I have another caller calling in. Kimberly is live on the show. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, how are you today? Good. How can I help you? Well, I have um, two kids that I have questions about. Uh, they're two of triplets, um, and they're in a, a gifted and talented program, I guess, class. Um, there's another class that they can go with, so they're 10, well, almost 10. They'll be 10 next month. So for fifth grade, there's another class that they can go into, um, the same sort of thing. But their teacher now has told me it's a lot harder, <laughs> and the Two of the three, the one's doing pretty good. The two are really starting to struggle. They love, they love the class. They love their teacher. Um, but now I'm wondering, one's a type three, one's a type four. I'm wondering how much do I push them? It's been an amazing program for them this year, and they've, you know, kind of out of the box thinking is kind yeah. of the basis of the program, and it's been really good. But my type four, he's started to struggle with. Um, well, she, their teacher talked to me about him and said he doesn't really listen in the group when she's explaining things in the group, which now I, after listening to what you've already said, I went, oh, okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> and he does great when she works with him one-on-one. Okay. And just, you know, flies through what, whatever. But type three has to be done first. She's very competitive. Yeah. And so... She, are they know, together in this learning experience? All three kids are yeah. together? Yep, all three of them. I yeah. wonder if there's some things going on there that they need to just be less together in their learning preferences, see, and, and that the type four might be getting tired of the type three brother always trying to beat him out kind of a thing. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. so possibly, is there a way to have them have independent, the same opportunity, but not as a threesome? No, there's not. There's only the one class, which is when they were going into this class last year, we were just deciding that, yeah, it was probably a good idea for them to be separated. And then they all got put in this class and there's only one. <laughs> one well, I wonder if that's presenting itself too, that, you know, being triplets, there is some need for autonomy, especially for a type four child that needs to, you know, define himself more independently of his siblings who he's only uh -huh. known to be in his life from the go. And age 10 is a really preferential age for that because once they hit early puberty, there really um, is their next developmental phase is who am I? What's my autonomous self independent of my family? And who do I create in my social, you know, how do, um, how am I, to experience and be received by my social network outside of my family system. So he's, it may be some developmental things that, um, 
you don't always know the why, why do they need it, but something showing up that you need to pay attention to that says this doesn't feel aligned or imbalanced anymore. Something's off. Yeah. So yeah. rather than try and, you know, so that's where the series of questions that come in to say, um, and maybe again, you have to go by more an intuitive hint to say, I know it's correct to we make this change. And it's yeah. a little bit of a, um, shift for you too, because you've been able to handle these three kids as a group, as a, you know, I, I'm sure you, yeah. you individually, but there's been decisions made where now you're having to make, this is presented possibly it's going to happen more often is what's correct for each of these three children, independent of their siblings. They're in this triplet uh -huh. group. Yes. They share a common energetic space. Because when you are um, created in the womb together and you're born together, you, they share a common energetic space as triplets. But within that space, how can they create autonomy of their individualism? And it feels like your type four is wanting that opportunity. Okay. Yeah, I can probably probably. And really, the, the, the other thing, too, is in the big picture of things, what other choices are available versus this one, how much of an impact would it have in his potential for success as a human being? Yeah. If it's not, you know, it's yeah. just a variable. I mean, at most type fours when put in a supportive environment, and I think it'd be really, you do a very honoring thing to this child for this child right now to say, we're listening to you as someone that has a sense of what's correct in your life. And mm -hmm. we're going to support you in, not only hearing you, but then following through on decisions that honor that. That's huge at age 10 for a type four child. Okay. Well, you, you build a lot, you build a lot of, you build a lot of trust there doing that. Uh-huh. So that's, that's one thing I'm <laughs> not just with them, but with all my kids is how do I know when to push? Because probably I think the biggest challenge he's had the type four is that he's not top of his class you know everything school has always been easy it's never really challenged him and so now he's actually getting challenged so how do I know when it's good to push him into you know being challenged because I asked him I said right now what are you thinking do you want to go in this other class next year and he immediately said no because it's going to be hard <laughs> well and maybe that's not a big deal either see you know I have children that um we're really invested in their education and they love being challenged. You know, my type two daughter, she pushed herself. She got to levels. I have other children that got by. They didn't care. They knew okay. this isn't important. Doesn't matter. But they excel yeah. in life. You see what I'm saying? They excel yeah. in their own career. They excel in, they just kind of got it that there's a lot of stuff I got to do here that absolutely has absolutely no value. And I know that. When the long-term yeah. scheme of things, <laughs> my type four okay. son, he figured out whether he wanted to get an A or a B because he didn't care enough on some subjects that he just said, uh -huh. mom, I'm getting a B and this is what I got to do to get it. And I said, that's great. That's above average. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> what, what, what are you requiring of them that they don't need to be required of to really be yeah. successful in life? Okay. So it's yeah, not required. Thinking, the type fours that, you know, they're driven that they, they want. But now that I think about not it, my, something they care. if they don't care about it, not the case. It's yeah, all or nothing. My older daughter, 
my older daughter that's a type four, I just realized, yeah. <laughs> she does it's okay. All or nothing in I mean, there just which, whichever one she likes, then she'll work for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if they don't care about anyway. their bedroom because they don't feel ownership of it, it might be the messiest place on the world. But if they have a mountain bike they absolutely love, nobody's touching that thing and it's polished, you know. See, again, there's no, there's, it's an either or, all or nothing. And the more they value something, the more they have personal ownership of it, the more decision they get to make around it, the more they invest their best. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm definitely seeing that. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so you may not care the, about this class as much as you do, or you think it yeah. has importance. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know that it's really that important either. It's just, it was just an opportunity. And I thought, Oh, we got to take it. You know, if they were, they were excited about it to begin with, but now I, it's kind of worn off. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, good. It sounds like you're getting your answers. And one other question with the type three, part of her, I mean, she'll just, she wants to fly through it, get it done as fast as she can and be done with it. And part of that's turned, I was okay somewhat with that. <laughs> I keep telling her, okay, come on, let's do a little better. But um, it's also turned into uh, lying or doing whatever she can to get out of the work. How do I yeah, do well, that? You know, that's I mean, it's again. It's cool. It's home. It's everything. If she can find, I mean, even from when she was a baby, it was almost like the wheels were always turning in her head. Some kind of reward, <laughs> something that, see, again, if the activity at hand isn't motivating, what can you incorporate into it that has a motivational factor? Some kind of a, you get this privilege, you get to go do this. The faster you get that done, you know, speed on some things, you know, fast is just how we function. It's like yeah. the faster I can get the kitchen clean, the more rewarding that is for me. You know, so again, there's a standard, you know, at companies, they have what's yeah. called KPIs, which are performance indexes, and you have to kind of create that. Well, SWIFT is good, but it needs to have a certain upon standard of what that looks like that's reasonable and then what reward can you put in place if the activity itself isn't rewarding that much it's just you know there's some things in life you gotta just kind of get through yeah. and yet let's create some ways to create value somehow somewhere else so how do we work with it's almost her first instinct not just with schoolwork or work chores or whatever but it's almost her first instinct anytime we ask her something it's a lie. <laughs> I don't know what we've done, but maybe. Well, it sounds like you've got to have that. What have you not given her a voice to? So now she doesn't feel she has one. So she's just trying to get out of stuff. Okay. Because you're not listening to her um, opinion on it or her different position on it, where she's just being told what to do. So now she's just trying to get out of, of the stuff. Triplet, triplet, triplet thing. Could be. I think you're starting to see some things that are new for you with the whole. We're a part, yeah, I'm a threesome, but I'm a one-some, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, so then she... Oh, I got it. We're towards the end of the show. I know you're going to get... I had to um, drop that or just... I know you'll get answers. I know you're going to get insights. I want you to pay attention to as a mom. You keep your, your tendency to come back with more questions rather than receiving what's been given and, and letting that guide you. So receive, re-listen to the recording, receive what's been shared, and open to more answers coming rather than forming more questions. 
Um, I didn't ask you your type, but there's a need to kind of fix this. Tell me what to do to fix it. I'm like, well, that's not how it works in the child. Sometimes I can give you feedback that it will fix it very quickly. Other times there's more to learn from the experience you're having and it will benefit you from years to come. So it feels like there's more for you to learn. So keep um, listening and receiving the answers. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. I'll be live again next week. A uh, couple new blog posts I'd like to uh, connect you with. This is fabulous. The Introvert Parent's Guide to Raising an Extrovert is featured on the childwhisperer.com blog. And on the Carol blog, I have my four types of beauty panel weighing in and sharing their experience with nurturing your spirituality true to your nature. Both wonderful, wonderful support blogs to your truth as a mom and as a woman and thank you for tuning in like us on facebook facebook.com forward slash the child whisper until next week continue to grow and learn your children are uh, are great influences in that quest of growing and learning as individuals thanks for tuning in today as a teacher healer speaker best-selling author of the child whisperer and mother of five children Carol Tuttle is honored to help you take the power struggle out of parenting and better understand the children in your life. If you'd like Carol to answer your question, call in next time or email your question to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Carol invites you to learn more about the four types of children at thechildwhisperer.com and connect with her at thecarolblog.com. If you haven't read The Child Whisperer yet, get your copy through the Child Whisperer website and enjoy happier, more successful, more cooperative children.